Hey everybody, before we get to this episode of the Family Movie Night Podcast where we're talking about Home Alone, I realized that we forgot to mention one of the most important aspects of this podcast, which is that we have a Facebook group for the parents at Community Christian. The whole reason we do this podcast is so that we can help support and encourage parents to raise their children to love Jesus and His way of life more than anything else. And at our C Kids Parent Group on Facebook, we do that all the time. So if you're a parent, you need to go to our Facebook page at Community Christian Church, click on the tab that says Groups, and then find the C Kids Parent Group. Click on that, click the Join Group button, and you'll find content there that will encourage you and support you as you help to raise your children to love Jesus, just like this podcast right here. So let's get to today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to the second episode of the Family Movie Night podcast, where we want to help you have better conversations around the content that you consume. My name is Nathan, and I am here with my co-host, as always, the man with the hottest takes this side of the Mississippi, Mr. Ronald Donald Dorsey. How are you doing, Donnie? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Ready to uh, ready to get to chatting. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a good one. You yourself at one point, uh, a, a member of the Wet Bandits. A lot of people don't know that, but you uh, were you more of a Joe Pesci or uh, or a Daniel Stern? Where I was do you... definitely more of a Daniel Stern because, you know, it was a good idea, I thought, that yeah. just never uh, panned out well. So That's right. That's right. Well, and of course, Donnie and I are joined here uh, by the man shoveling snow outside, terrifying school children, Mr. Sawyer Hewlett. How are you doing, Sawyer? Doing good, man. Doing good. I, I realized just before we started rolling on this second episode that I had never said Sawyer's last name out loud before. Uh, did I do all right, Sawyer? It's all good. It's such a weird last name. Like, I, I very rarely like correct people more than once because it's it's so unique no one ever messes it up a second time like when i was in school people would be like uh sawyer up uh, a lot and it's like nope swing and a miss but <laughs> everyone's trying well i like it well very good if this is your first time watching this podcast which is very likely because this is only episode two uh what we do here is uh we are a part of the family ministry at community christian church and uh we want to partner with parents to help them raise their children to love Jesus and his way of life more than anything else. And we know that your relationship with your kids, the connection you have as a family is key to that. And so we encourage every family at Community Christian to have a movie night once a month. But we know trying to sort through all the content that exists in our multiple streaming platform universe uh, can be very difficult. And so uh, Donnie Sawyer and I get together to kind of recommend 
a different movie every week that you could pick as your movie night movie. But not just that you guys would have a fun time watching a movie, but that you also would have meaningful conversations. And we want to help with that as well. The movie we're discussing today as we start a multi-week series on holiday movies is the Christmas classic 1990s Home Alone, directed by Chris Columbus. And uh, I'm really excited to talk about this movie. Donnie, what is your first memory of the Home Alone uh, franchise or this movie in particular? Um, I think it's probably just um, the first thing I think of when I think of this movie, of course, is uh, once Kevin's already alone and he like does the whole like hands on his face and the scream, because that's what I remember when I was growing up. It was like the like the trademark mo moment in the movie. Yep. Yeah, I was uh, born the year this movie came out. So for, for those of you who are either feeling old or think I'm really old, either one is fine. I fit right now in that perfect middle spot that some of you watching this think 1990, being born in the late 1900s, as it's being referred to me as. Uh, that makes me really old. Others of you are watching this and I sound like a baby to you. But that's okay because I'm not the youngest person on this podcast. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Sawyer, what is your first memory of the Home Alone? films uh yeah uh so i i will say i i am also born in the 1990s and so i i i i slightly sympathize with that but uh no my first experience with this movie uh gosh i don't even remember the first time i watched it but i know you know growing up my my favorite scene was uh you know obviously like near the end uh, when he's trying to escape and he grabs the tarantula and puts it on Marv's face and stuff like that. As an adult, my favorite scene is directly after that when they freak out and it's it's on Joe Pesci's stomach and Marv is like, don't move. And it's this really hilarious moment of like suspension and tension that the movie like just builds up really well. And then he smashes him with a crowbar and totally misses the spider. It's a great moment that I love, but yeah. So I do think what most people remember about this movie is the last, I don't know what, 20 minutes of the movie uh, with, with the pranks and uh, kind of the, the, the famous uh, breaking in sequence, which by the way, the more you think about it is more terrifying uh, because it, by all accounts, these men up until this point have just been, burglars who are breaking into people's homes when they're not there but then they are so infuriated by this child who we later find is what like seven or eight he's not very old i mean yeah. he's a small child so infuriated they want to break into his home when he's there to what yeah. murder him what, what what is the end goal here for these guys i don't i don't i watching it as an adult with a child i'm like this is terrifying i don't I don't understand, but that's the section everybody remembers. Uh, Kevin defending his home, uh, but really most of the movie leading up to that is uh, is is a comedy of a different sort. A kid at home alone, uh, kind of exploring what it is to be an adult, uh, growing up, um, learning that whole thing. So, w w upon rewatch, we all rewatch this movie coming into it. What what really stood out to you? I mean, this movie is thirty one years old. Uh, and, and my yeah. general thing when showing movies to my kids is I, I try not to show movies that are that much older than before they were born, uh, because the way I think about it is my oldest kid was born in 2011. Uh, 
So to watch a movie that came out 20 years before she would, was born was like when my dad was like, let's watch Rocky. Uh, because that movie came out 20 years before I was born. And I was like, I don't know. Like, why are we watching The Graduate? (laughs) Like, why is this a film we're watching? So, um, but how did this, how do you think this movie stands up for people who got young kids? um, How do you think this movie stands up for for young kids? Donnie, what are your thoughts? Um, Honestly, I think that the, the movie stands up pretty well because it's still a lot of the same themes that you encounter, like as far as like with parenting. I mean, you have the the kid that you know thinks that if the parents aren't around that more fun can ensue when honestly that's usually not the not the case um yeah. you got the other part of where um everybody thinks they have everything all together like they have everything perfectly planned out but it basically is just a, a line of dominoes that one mistake and uh you forget a kid yeah, I so. think the I think the movie is incredibly sympathetic for every character. Like if you're a little kid, so I watched this with my kids. This, by the way, is probably my my children's favorite movie. I bet we've seen it five times uh-huh. um in, in the last two years. Like we just watch it again and again and again. And when I told them, hey, I gotta watch this for this thing I'm filming for the church, they were like, Yes! They were so <laughs> excited to watch this movie. Um, and when we watch it every time, they are incredibly sympathetic towards Kevin, who I think of as very bratty at the beginning of the movie. But yeah. they're kind of like, you know, everyone's kind of excluding him and picking on him. Uh, and so they're very sympathetic towards him. I'm incredibly sympathetic to these parents who are just trying to hold everything together <laughs> as they take this massive trip. And this dad who does what for a living? He's paying for this entire trip to Paris. Yeah. I mean, what does this man do for a living? Any thoughts on that? Sawyer, Sawyer, what do you think this man is actually doing for a living? Yeah, this is uh this is definitely the the typical John Hughes script where there's no explanation for how they make money. They just live in a really absurdly nice house and they do very nice things with no explanation. It's, it happens in like Ferris Bueller and Breakfast Club. Ferris is talking about how he wanted a car and instead he got a computer in 1985 or whatever and computers were $1,000 or whatever. It's, it's, it's a funny example. I do think there's, there's credence though to the idea that, you know, the character of Kevin we're introduced to him and he's used to living a life of luxury. And then he kind of gets sick of that is the thing. And it gets taken away from him. And the whole journey of the movie is him having to figure out, Oh, this is how lucky I was. But yeah, well, I think, I think what's, what, what works for both parents and kids is, and even, and especially once, um, Kevin is lost. Like I remember those scenes being very funny of like the family scrambling in the airport after like in the, in the airport in France trying to find Kevin. But like as an adult with a child, I was like, this is the worst horror movie that has ever been. Ex- Cause it's like terrible. Like you feel their panic. You feel her heartbreak when she's like yelling at them. Like I have to get back. And I'm like, no one's going to get her a flight home. Like this, this woman has, I mean, yes, in some senses, insanely incompetent, but also, I mean, she's trying to get home to her kid. So that's very sympathetic. Kevin's very sympathetic. Um, And then of course, it's just very funny. I mean, top to bottom. Mm -hmm. And I think even things that my kids culturally don't understand anymore watching it, like they didn't know what aftershave was. But but like once I explained like, oh, it burned his face and he was doing it to act like a grown up um, because kind of the I mean, don't we think isn't the character arc of, of Kevin from the beginning of the movie? Everyone keeps telling him you can't take care of yourself. 
Yeah. Uh, you need to grow up. Mm -hmm. You need to act like an adult. And he sees that as like this kind of condemnation against him. But by the end of the movie, he does grow up. Like he learns how to take care of himself. And even Buzz at the end of the movie, which I guess I should say, we're just going to spoil this 30-year-old movie. So if you haven't seen it, sorry. But by the end of the movie, even Buzz is like kind of, you know, it's cool that you didn't burn down the house. Yeah. Right. You know, like it, it's that kind of character arc for Kevin is like he's at that weird stage. He's seven, eight. He's not a toddler anymore. And he's the baby of the family. So he's kind of late blooming, but he's like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta grow up. And I think kids can relate to that. Um, and I think it's what makes the funny moments even funnier. Right. Yeah. yeah Cause I know when my kids were, cause I, I did the same thing. My kids actually watched it with me and it was interesting because like my son has watched it before and before he thought it was kind of like scary ish sure. because of some of the moments. There's a lot of little moments in there where like for a young kid, like see, like when basically lighting in any certain way can make anything super creepy. And so yeah, they're like furnace, that <laughs> exactly. furnace. That's yeah. It's like, what's wrong with this furnace? But like he, he understood it better this time. And it was funny to watch them as the movie progressed. Like they were cheering on Kevin. Like, right. and so when the bad guys were like getting like stuff would happen, they, they were like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I will say it doesn't matter what age you are. Uh, everybody finds it funny. When a grown man gets hit, as my kids say, in the privates. When a grown man, it doesn't matter what age you are, my kids will say, oh no, he just got hit in the privates. That's funny, no matter what age you are. And this movie is a plenty. So um, let's now talk to what we what we really want to get to. I think all of us would say, I would say, I and mean, we haven't said this, but I would say almost any age your kids could watch this. There's really not very much inappropriate in it. It's even though Donnie mentioned like his kid kind of being scared, it's really not that scary. Like it's yeah. there's moments of it. Um, I, I mean, my my youngest watched this when she was three. So I I would say anybody can watch it. I think teenagers still probably enjoy it. Oh, yeah. Um, no. so mm -hmm. do we all agree this is a pretty much an all ages thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay, now we want to talk about how do we talk about this movie and, and when we're watching it with the kids, and since this is the first episode, the way we kind of envision it is as things are happening in the movie, you get the benefit, especially the younger your kids are, of interpreting what's happening on screen because they often don't understand basic plot elements. Like mm -hmm. they understand the the emotions that has been my experience. I don't know if you, if you're in the same place, Donnie, that my kids understand emotionally and intuitively like the stakes, like this person's scared, this person's mad, but they don't often understand the why behind it. Does that yeah. work? Yeah. Cause that, I don't think they understand how to like, they understand what's going on, but they don't understand how to explain it. Like they couldn't, yeah. they couldn't transcribe it into like a conversation and be like, Hey, you know, this is because such and such is happening. They just know that, there's some dynamics that are happening that are causing them to feel like connected to the, like the movie. And I think, I think as parents, I spend a lot of my time in a movie, uh, which is, I think often is why parents sometimes get frustrated trying to watch a movie with their kids. Cause you spend a lot of the movie just explaining what's happening. Yeah. But we get a chance as parents to not just explain the plot mechanics of what is happening like this. Like my kids couldn't understand why can't she just get on a plane and get back home? Uh, and I had to explain, well, peak demand. And yeah. this is this is how things worked in uh, in a pre-COVID time, that there weren't a lot of seats on planes. And you had to get back and explaining that. But explaining 
deeper things of here's what I want you to think about when you watch this movie. Well, that's really key. And so uh, the first thing we've kind of thought about when we thought about this is I think the number one thing, and Donnie was the one who brought this up. So Donnie, I want you to spend a little time talking about it. This idea of the mother doing anything she can. I mean, she is doing everything possible to get home to her kid her kid who had treated her like dirt previously right yeah. had said i wish i didn't have a family uh you know i hate you you're stupid all the all the kind of things that just kids say right yeah. i mean all of us i mean at least in my house someone tells me i'm the worst daddy ever uh at least once a week so <laughs> i don't know what that says about me but i'm the worst daddy ever at least once a week uh which is great because i get to be number one i'm just number one on the other side of the scale so um right in their mind, he says the worst thing you can say. I hate you. I wish you weren't my mom. I wish you weren't here. I wish you didn't have a family at all. And then this mom does whatever she can to get back. Donnie, what do you think as parents, and especially as disciples of Jesus who are trying to help our kids love Jesus, what kind of conversation should we be having with our kids about that? So here, like the interesting thing I kind of made like a connection to is like anybody that's familiar with the prodigal son, it feels very, very like um, similar to that, that narrative. And primarily because if you think about it, you know, Kevin is kind of like that son that was like, Hey, I'm done with you, dad. Yep. I just want to be doing my own thing, you know, and I'll, then I don't need you anymore, you know? And then, you know, in this case, of course, this is a, a younger child that is experiencing this, but a lot of times, you know, the idea is that, Oh, well, you're just stopping me from something. Mm-hmm. When a lot of times people think that the the structure of it's like like kids think the structure is oh well, you know you don't want me to have fun or you don't want me to do these things. It's like no, I'm actually putting in boundaries and guard and like guardrails to protect you so that you can experience life in a way that doesn't put you in positions that make it much more dangerous for you. I know that you're still going to encounter things, but you know it's going to happen. But the cool thing was watching how the mom was like, even though the night before she was the one specifically, like if y'all remember, that heard those words, like, I wish I didn't have a family. I don't need you. And so she had to, she had those words in her head, like just echoing. And then when she realizes the mistake that she's made, she doesn't even think about those things. Like she doesn't go, oh, I don't care about that. Kevin, he said he didn't want me. I'm going to stay and I'm going to enjoy my trip. No, she was like as quickly and as efficiently and whatever it took, she took all boundaries out of the way. She was like, look, I'm going to get to my son. Yeah. I'm not worried about what he said to me because I still love him, even though he said those hurtful and painful things to me. Yeah. And it does serve as like a little bit of a parable in that sense. And, and here's the way I think is really powerful to talk about as Donnie's just perfectly summed up there, how much it lines up with the prodigal son. One, he gives us a chance as a parent to, um, and I would say start seeding it early in the movie. Like when he says those things that are his mom, you just kind of react to be like, wow, that's a really mean thing to say to your mom, you know, and you start kind of setting up this idea for them as, wow, that was like a mean thing to say. Oh God, I bet that really hurt her feelings. And then when she realizes and she starts doing anything, I got to say, you know, that's exactly how mommy and daddy would be. If I ever got separated from you, I would do whatever it takes. And now I'm communicating to my kid how much I love them. 
right? That there is nothing you could ever do to me that if we weren't together, I would not move heaven and earth to get to you. And now this has become not just a funny thing, but an emotional thing. At one point in the movie, I think it was when she's riding back with John Candy and she's putting up, like my kids were laughing with her, him having to, her having to put up with the nonsense in the car. And one of my daughters was laughing and said, wow, she must really love Kevin to put up with that. Like, <laughs> but she got the idea that like, it's not just a plot mechanic. This is communicating a mother's love for her son. But then I also got the chance to have the conversation with my kids about the prodigal son. I said, hey, you know, there's a story in the Bible that's a lot like this. And then I told them the story. And I said, isn't that I said, and that's trying to show us that no matter what we do to God, no matter how many bad things we do, God will always love us. And I think as parents, man, that's a meaningful conversation that moves this whole uh, movie experience to something that now they have this visual, emotional, you know, laughter builds memories. I remember in college, they, they taught me that the, uh, you, the strongest memories you build are the ones where you had moments of strong emotion, whether laughter or sadness or fear. And that sometimes that's why movies stick with us because they elicit those kind of emotions. And so when my kid remembers this movie, now they also get to remember the prodigal son and they get to remember my love. Well, that's, that's huge. Now, Sawyer, you brought up another one, which I thought was huge just before we started filming. And you talked about how the movie by its nature is a movie kind of about protecting your home. Uh, what do you do when you're scared? But you kind of talked about a different thematic thing uh, about the way we try to protect ourselves. And you brought it up from Kevin's perspective. You want to bring that up uh, a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So and, and it's it, it kind of is, you know, the prodigal son story kind of almost like at both ends of the story, the prodigal son, we have a son who's really angry and retreats is the thing. Okay. And basically the, the whole, the, the, the true parable of the movie for me at least is, you know, and, and I think this is something that will be a good conversation for, for parents to have with their kids is the thing. Kevin is a kid who gets very, angry or sad at the beginning of the movie he gets stressed out is the thing uh and and what he does then is he retreats okay that night he sleeps in the attic opposed to his bedroom now that's because his mom is like okay well if you're gonna be bad then you're gonna sleep in the attic and stuff so he retreats he he falls back he avoids the people that love him is the thing and basically the moral of the story as far as i can tell is no when like the people who love you are worth pursuing when you're at your lowest is the thing. So, so, and that, and that's what makes for me, especially like the, the final scene when his mom comes in and, and then the rest of his family joins him that like his, like Kevin is elated in that moment is the thing. Kevin uh, actually like the night before, like he made his Christmas wish that, that his family would come home which is like the complete opposite of where he was at at the very beginning of the movie. It's the thing he, he longs for the people that love him now because he, he, he's realized how much he loves them. So yeah, yeah. that's, that's kind of what I got. <laughs> well, and I think that's huge for, and you see it even to me, even more clearly in the movie in this uh, foil character of uh, the old man who is uh, estranged from his son. Right. Um, yeah. And and I think there's other themes with that man, but I think right at the end, it's this, it's this theme about reconciliation, really, of mm -hmm. things happen. Like Kevin kind of sees what you're talking about of, oh, 
I felt mistreated, as we all do in families. At some point, someone disrespects me, someone offends me. Even at a young age with kids, my, my girls are five to nine, about to be 10. And um, I remember reading that from the ages of, I think, six to like 11, uh, siblings argue with each other once every 90 seconds or something like that, which I got four kids in my home, so someone's always arguing. And the idea that my feelings could get hurt or that I could be disrespected, or someone could even just wrong me, do something that's just wrong, and I may want to retreat from the relationship to be able to say to our kids, and this movie does a good job of showing the extreme of that. This old man that now, in in the last years of his life, can't even see his grandchildren, uh, can't be with his son because of a fight they had, and neither one is willing to say they're sorry, and Kevin learns his lesson in that moment just before he decides to go defend his home. Uh, for those of you who are not uh, kind of narrative people, don't think that's the moment when the character learns their lesson. The, they learn, usually don't learn their lesson in the final act where all the thing culminates. It's That's we get to see the result of him learning his lesson, which is he defends his home and he says, this is my family. This is my home. I'm not going to run away anymore. Right. Yeah. Uh, I've been retreating this whole time. I'm not retreating. And then the defending the home gets to now kind of serve as this symbol for him saying some things are worth fighting for. And we get to say to our kids, hey, just like Kevin told that man, hey, you have to you got to call your son. Mm -hmm. You, you got you got to give it a shot. And then I got to say to my kids, hey, if we ever fight and if you ever hurt my feelings or I ever hurt your feelings, I hope we love each other enough that we don't give up on each other. That we that we always forgive each other. That 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 I will always call you, and then I get to say, and no matter how mad you are at me, I will always call you. I will always pursue you. I never give up on you. And so, as parents, that's a huge conversation we get to have with our kids, even from a young age, because sometimes it's hard to see as a parent um, when they're so young and they're so sweet. Like I can't imagine ever being mad at them. And then they start getting older and you don't just imagine being mad at them. Uh, you experience it. <laughs> Donnie, am I off base on that? I mean, do you, do, do you know, do, have you ever experienced that of being like, Oh, I could see this argument blowing up. Yeah. I mean, cause like any argument, like with enough, uh, like just minimal premise can turn into the most obscure, an overblown like argument yeah. and like in moments just yeah. because of a mis misinterpretation a miscommunication or just the, like the person's feeling mm -hmm. at that moment, because there are things that, you know, trigger me in moments, but would not trigger me any other time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think often what happens is, and I love that in the movie, they don't tell us what the argument was about because yeah. what we all know is, Five years later, you don't even remember what the actual argument was yep. about. You just remember that we all said things we didn't mean mm -hmm. and we couldn't move forward. And so to be able to say to kids like, hey, I want as a family, let's be a people who always come back together. And then once again, as disciples of Jesus, we get the chance to say, even though we were the ones that wronged God and we hurt him, we disrespected him, we offended him. He's the one who made the move. He made the phone call yeah. to to reconcile things with us, that there's never anything we can do that's too far. So I think that's huge. Uh, one other thing that I want us to talk about here thematically in the, mo in the movie is this idea that is um, not making judgments about people. 
Uh, and I think this is huge in the movie, um, particularly with that uh, older man character, right? That there is this um, there is this guy, he's shoveling snow. There's all these rumors about him, right? Of he's, he's this uh, serial killer and he killed his family or all that kind of, and the snow shovel was his weapon of choice, you know? And there's all those kind of characters in uh, real life, right? People that you've heard things about, people you've seen things about, kids understand that concept. He gets built up as this villain that um, uh, Kevin is terrified of. And in fact, if Kevin had just gone to him earlier in the movie and talked to him, a lot of things could have been solved. Yeah. Right. Like there's yeah. here's a trusted adult, but he he makes these assumptions about him. And then it's when he's in the in the church at the, towards the end of the movie where he has this conversation and he finds out, oh, this guy's the hero. And then actually at the end of the movie, he is the hero. Yeah. Right? He's the one who saves Kevin in the most dire moment when all of Kevin's plans fail and Kevin's gonna he he does need an adult in his life. Like this isn't a movie that teaches kids like you can survive on your own, you just get enough tar. <laughs> And, and and some kind of flamethrower, then you'll be fine. Like, it's a movie that says, no, you still need an adult uh, in your life. Um, but it teach. I got to have the chance with it. Hey, this is why we shouldn't just believe everything we hear about people. Um, did you guys, does any of that resonate with you guys when you watch the movie? Yeah, I think, you know, and especially, I, I think the movie kind of is trying to communicate that more so than there's things that you don't know about people it's it it to me has always been more so kevin has heard things about this old man that he doesn't know to be true and then this old man proves to not just be not a serial killer but someone who is a protector is the thing and so we can kind of tell kids hey there are people that you might not like that have your best interest. There are definitely people that you don't that like you don't like that don't like you as well, but there are people that you don't like or that you might not know very well that love you is the thing. And I think this this is a great opportunity for you to have a conversation with your kids about Jesus is the thing because in in a you know kids struggle to understand the concept of having a relationship with Jesus is the thing. They're like you can't see or hear Jesus, you you don't feel Jesus. Like, I don't get what you mean. Okay, this is a great opportunity for you to have a, a conversation, I think, because this old man is so foreign and so um, abstract to Kevin. He's like, he only ever interacts with him through a window, okay? And then the first time that he actually interacts with him, he's extremely kind. Um, and so I, I I think that's that's what I took away from the, their relationship with the old man, at least. Okay. But. Cause I was thinking, I thought of something when we were talking about like the perceptions, like with the old man, but there were some throughout this, like I was thinking about this as throughout the story, if you're watching it, there are a lot of perception moves that they try to show you of how people quickly make observations and decide a narrative. Because if you look at it, like you've got, you know, these bandits that come in, you know, they're like, oh, well, this is what this is. And they underestimate this child of like their abilities. And I think sometimes as parents, we have this idea. Sometimes we go, oh, well, they're good at this thing. So they must, this must be the thing. Hmm. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's the idea that those things come about when they have an opportunity to 
you know, grow. And now I'm not saying, you know, they need to be home alone to figure out these situations, you know. That's obviously Yeah, not- these dang millennials <laughs> not leaving their kids home alone for weeks at a time. That's how my mama did it. <laughs> but like and there's also like, you know, there's there's perceptions throughout the whole thing. Like every person you come across, there's different thoughts. Like, you know, with the with the um the older brother. He's like, "Oh, well, you don't know what like you don't know anything." But it's like a lot of times I think talking with children is like a good conversation I have with them would be like, Hey, you know, don't feel like just because other people say things that you are, that you may feel that are not capable of, that doesn't mean that you're not, that just may be their perception. And it doesn't mean that it's not possible. You know, you have, you have like, you have special, like special abilities and talents that were given to you by God that may stand out amongst other things. You know, and like I said, I, I'm not saying you have to be home alone in order for these things to be accomplished. But a lot of times, you know, kids are seeing things and they're like, oh, well, such and such can do this. Yeah. And such and such can do this. But I can't. Well, maybe that may not be the talent that you were given. Maybe there's something else that your talents are being are going to be later used for. I think that's huge, Donnie, what you said. And I hadn't even made those connections until we're talking about it right now. But, you know, the assumptions don't just go from Kevin to the the, the older man. But you're right. The wet bandits assume something about Kevin. Kevin assumes something about his family, that they're just jerks, right? He yeah. keeps using that term all the time. They're jerks. They don't really care about me. As Sawyer said, they don't really have my best interest in heart. All right. And I was thinking when you were talking, Sawyer, you know, that often is kids approach to their parents, but also to like their teachers. And like people, we want them to kind of t- let them build into them. Is anyone who tells me something I don't want to hear is someone who doesn't have my best interests at heart. But like sometimes that's what we have to hear. Like the the mom wasn't wrong when she was like, "You need to grow up." Yeah. Like he did need to grow up. And as Donnie said, it wasn't by staying at home, yeah. but like those kind of things. Kevin makes assumptions about them. People make assumptions about Kevin. And the movie is really about. Um, reconciling these kind of relationships and that when I care more about a person than I do about, uh, what they do for me or, or, or what I assume about them and I'm, or what they've even done to me in the past Mm -hmm. and I care more and I'm willing to take those steps and get to know a person. Well, I I think those are, are huge themes that we want to talk about. There's probably a lot more. And, uh, you know, I want to say at the end of every episode, I think you maybe even heard it when we were all talking, the beauty of art, the beauty of film is that all of us get something different from it. Um, and so this is not to say that you have to talk to your kids about the things that Donnie and Sawyer and I have said. It's that you bring your personality to, to the movie. Like Sawyer got things out of it that I didn't get out of it. Donnie got things out of it that I didn't get out of it. But what I could do as someone who's having these conversations is to help my kids talk about things that really matter, that there is a way in every element of these movies to say, whether I'm saying, hey, that's a good thing that just happened and you should emulate that, or I'm saying, hey, that was a terrible decision. Don't do that. I can lead them towards Jesus and his way of life. And that really is our responsibility as parents. And we want to help you that uh, do that here on our family movie night podcast. So I think that is it for our conversation here about home alone. Uh, Sawyer, Donnie, thank you guys for joining us once again on this. And I hope all of you guys join us again right here next week as we talk about another holiday movie, uh, or I'll say this movies. I'll leave you with that as your little tease next week. I'm very excited about that. Looking forward to having the conversation then. See you guys then.